This is a Locker Room production. All right, everybody, welcome to another Hornets Progress Report. I'm recorded live on Locker Room. My name is Maxwell Millington. Um, and I'm a journalist, blogger, and, and huge Hornets fan. And uh, you know what? I'm joined by Chase Whitney, who is another uh, awesome Hornets fan and a great follow on Twitter, but also a contributor for um, At The Hive, which is a, the Charlotte Hornets SB Nation website. So um, Chase and I are, are happy to be here, happy to be talking to you. Chase, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. Thank you for having me on. We've got we've got some exciting news to talk about. Our boys back. Yeah. <laughs> just when just when people were starting to forget who uh, the rookie of the year, uh, you know, should be uh, Lamelo Ball. Of course, uh, there was a um, a report um, that Lamelo Ball is pretty much cleared for uh, basketball activities and. Um, um, he is. He's. It looks like. So the confusing part for me was, it seemed they, they pretty much said his his wrist is fully healed. Um, he's he's clear to play, ba- you know, basketball activities or, or whatever. But it looks like there's still going to be a seven to ten day timeline on his return, which is interesting to me. Um, now, obviously, you want him to be to be healthy when he's back. There is a stretch of games within that seven to ten to ten games so you know hopefully the the team's been able to to stay afloat um without him and a lot of other people in the lineup um but you know hopefully you want him back at at a good time where we're still you know sort of either in the spot that we in are in or better but um but you know it's good news that he's back the Hornets fans are gonna have to wait a little bit longer to see him it looks like um you know fun I'll, I'll tell you a funny story real quick I as soon as I found out the news, you know, and when I saw he, it was like, okay, he's clear for basketball activity. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, well, you know, he should be playing by, by this Friday. That, that seems reasonable, right? You know, the Cavs are at home. That seems like a good window. So I actually, um, and, and my wife is, is, um, you know, her work schedule was crazy. She had this weekend off. So I was like, oh, great. Like, we could, you know, drive the two hours down to Charlotte. And, um, you know, I, so I got like, you know, pretty cheap um, tickets to, for Cavs and Hornets. And then maybe an hour or so later, the reports came in that um, he would, it would be like seven to 10 days before he, you know, was able to get on the court is what they were, what they're predicting. So um, I was like, dang it. <laughs> I jumped the gun and um, I did get the, the, I, I did get a refund for those tickets actually, so it wasn't too late, thankfully, because it was within the 24 hours. But um, yeah, I, I bought tickets immediately <laughs> when the news came out that Lamella would be. Yeah, that that was a good call, honestly, to try and get in before the the prices went up. But I was just I was trying to look for the like pregame press conference that Perego was having before we started this, but it must not have been online yet. But I'm, lo- I'm reading the tweets from Jacob Rude, who uh, is the Alonzo Wire reporter for USA Today, which is like, basically, it started out, I think, just for Alonzo, and that's why it's called Alonzo Wire, but now it's just like the Ball family uh, website uh, reporting system, and he does a lot of like really nice coverage of the Hornets and Pelicans, but he was saying, or what Borrego said was, in quotes, we're just going to take it one day at a time. He was on the court working out just now. 
I think it's one of those things we'll take day to day. We'll see significant flexibility come back. And then, but he wouldn't commit to him returning yet this season. But obviously that like opens up the possibility. And with that quote saying like, oh, he was working out just now. It's one of those day to day things. And then the flexibility will come back. Makes it seem like he'll probably play maybe not like soon, soon, but that seven to 10 day time frame that you mentioned is definitely like, like I can't imagine it would go beyond that because he seems super eager to get back on the court as well. Yeah. See, that's what I figured. That's I, I almost, I almost kept the tickets because I was like, well, I, I am more keen to believe that this is going to be a day to day thing rather than a, you know, he is out seven to 10, to 10 days or longer. Um, but also, you know, I, you know, you never know what these things, um, you know, you want him to be, you know, obviously it's good to be healthy, but you want him to sort of get, get acclimated and make sure that he's able to, um, you know, really, you know, feel comfortable and play, uh, with, with that wrist, uh, with that, you know, after the wrist injury. So I think personally that, um, you know, I, I, there's, there's still a good stretch. I mean, you look at the the um, calendar right now. Look at and look at where the team is at. I mean, you probably you got New York tonight. Obviously, the Melo's not going to play tonight. Um, Chicago at Chicago on Thursday, and then you're coming on on the second half of the back to back at home at Cleveland. So, you know, I get it. You know, maybe you wait till Sunday. You know, afternoon, uh, you got Boston at home. That might be a good one. It's, that's on ESPN, I believe. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Chase, but I believe that's a national TV game. That might be a great game, a great game to bring it back for. You know, if you want to wait a little longer, Tuesday, um, Tuesday, uh, the 27th, um, you got Milwaukee at home. So, uh, I mean, you know, you might want to you might want to wait for a tougher opponents. You know, this week might just be a wash. Yeah, that's actually that is a national TV game too. That that Boston game. It's the Sunday, so it's five days from now. I guess that would be six days from when they yeah. announced it. But I mean, that's I I I mean, I don't think that would be out of the question either. Like, if he, I mean, he, we saw those videos periodically of like even while he was out, he was like on the court pregame, like just doing stuff with his left hand, like dribbling, running around, whatever. So. I don't think conditioning will be like a huge problem. It's probably just strictly like, is your wrist like fully 100% functional? And I mean, I don't think they, they probably won't. I know they, I mean, we know that they won't bring him back before that. Like they're this new Hornets regime is smart enough to not rush him back. Like, you know, two days after he gets his cast off or something, but I could definitely see it being that Boston game uh, that, or that Milwaukee game on the 27th. The only thing, but that there's that one away game against the Celtics on the 28th before you get a two-game homestand after that. So I could see it maybe stretching beyond that, like seven to ten days, and then but maybe being like 11 or something if he plays that game against Detroit, just so they're not like, oh, your first game is a one-off away game that like will be harder to prepare for, given the fact that you're like you haven't been or been playing and been in the rotation already, but. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely see him really soon, which is exciting. I remember when he first got hurt, I was like pretty sh- I w- I was would have bet like money probably on him not coming back, but I'm glad that I didn't do that. This just goes to show why I don't I shouldn't have access to to betting on sports because he's definitely going to come back now. And what do you, what do you think it means for their 
uh, like standings odds. I honestly think they've fallen back like a little bit too much to get, you know, they're not, they, I, they never really were like the, the fourth best team in the East, but I'd be surprised if they get back into the top six, honestly, with how good, uh, like Miami and Boston and New York have been. Yeah. I mean, I, I do want to jump into that discussion. Let me ask you this though. Have you got, have you checked the odds for, um, Rookie of the year now that Lamelo's back has have those changed? I haven't checked. No, they have not. But I will look right now. Okay. I'm, I'm... Yeah. Yeah. Let me know if those are changed. I'm, I'm curious to see that. But because I I always thought like it was really silly that I mean I, I remember for a long time I think you know depending on who you asked it was Lamelo Halliburton and then like Lamelo started to separate himself as the King sort of struggled and then Anthony Edwards sort of burst into the conversation as he's been allowed to, to score more and, and to do more, um, you know, with, with, um, you know, with the coaching change, uh, there in Minnesota going from, um, going from Ryan Saunders to Chris Finch, I think it is, but, um, you know, at the, so like, I, you know, people in my mind, I'm like, all right, like, you know, everyone's over, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly saying it's Lamelo. By the time he gets hurt, you know, the, whoever's in second place, literally just you know switched from one guy to another. You know, you know, I and a lot of a lot of people who have votes said this as well. But I also believe, you know, even as a as in, my bias does exist, but I was like, well, yeah, it seems like Lamelo should be. Rookie of the year, you know, being based on the fact that, like, you know, statistically and, you know, and, and you know, a, a lot of different ways has, has been the best rookie this year. Um, but, you know, it, it seemed like there were still, you know, a group of people out there that um, wanted to make it more about, you know, participation. And, you know, if, if you know, what what can Anthony Edwards or Tyrese Halliburton do, you know, in a full season, you know, rather than. Uh, what Lamelo has been able to do in, in about a little over half. So um, I thought it was interesting, but do you, have, have the odds changed? Did you, did you find it, Chase? Yeah. See, I just I don't remember what they were uh, like a lot, like right when he got hurt. But Lamelo is minus two fifty to win right now. Edwards is plus one eighty five, and then Halberton's plus seven fifty. Like, and then Quickly's in fourth at plus six thousand. So the only people with like a relative shot are Ball, Edwards, and Halliburton. And now that Ball is back, like, you could probably say that Halliburton doesn't really have a shot anymore just because of, like, like, like you said, LaMelo, it was, in the early in the season, it was LaMelo and Tyrese Halliburton, but LaMelo was just putting up bigger numbers on a better team. So it was, like, kind of a wash. But now it's kind of just him and Edwards because Edwards is scoring so much on the Timberwolves and they've gotten, like, slightly better on offense. So... I mean, I don't, I didn't, I, I'm with, like, I'm with you. I didn't think it was, like, something that should have harmed him uh, be, to begin with because I just counted through the schedule and he, he got hurt in the Clippers game, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So he will have missed, like, 21, 20, 21, 22 ish games. And then he'll be playing, like, the last 10 to, 10 to 12 before the season ends. So as long as he's, like, not, like horrifically bad in those 10 to 12 games. Like I, I feel like he still has it locked up and he's just going to come back and like show people like, yeah, I was the best rookie this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think you can, 
if, if, if one case is overwhelmingly better than another, I don't think you can say, well, this guy played, you know, three more weeks of basketball. So it's got to be right. him. Like, I think. Yeah, and especially when the, when the gap is that wide. In the league, too. Yeah. Yeah. When the gap is that wide, I think, you know, by in a lot of ways, you know, you go you go with what um, you go. You trust your eyes. You trust the numbers and, and go in that direction. So. You know, I'm I'm happy for him in that standpoint because, you know, I you know with all the conversation with a lot of the awards, I I felt like, you know, it was it was it would sort of be unfair for somebody who probably had the most clear cut case to be knocked because of that. But now it's not necessarily it may not necessarily be a, a talking point as uh, as you know the the season comes and hopefully he's able to kind of get back to the way that he was before and maybe these. Maybe not immediately putting him back into the lineup right away would be good for him to, to sort of get his legs under him a bit and, and, and get used to practicing a little bit more, um, you know, without a without a, uh, a cast on his wrist. So that works out. So, yeah, back to your point about um, the Hornets kind of getting back. So my question to you was going to be, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm like you. I think the top four is probably – um, out of the question, you know, for this team, because I think other teams are, are probably just rounding into form a little bit. You know, you get, you know, more competitive teams want to avoid the play-in or, and really, you know, be, uh, you know, be be competitive. Um, so my question to you was, do you think the Hornets can get back into the top six? Because right now they are uh, the eighth seed in the East. Um, I do think they are, the team is, is better than, you know, people uh, give them credit for uh, in terms of, you know, the depth of the team. I think we've seen that. Um, but I think especially with LaMelo back and then hopefully um, Devontae Hayward and, and some other guys back into the lineup, uh, this is a team where we may see a surge from them at the end. Like, how do you feel about their chances now to sort of uh, be better than even a, a playing team at this point? Because I think it's so possible. Yeah, see, I'm with you. I think it is possible, but I might be like a little bit more pessimistic in the, but not because of like the Hornets. Like I think that you're right that they're like way deeper than we thought, and like you know, Vernon Carey can you know occasionally come off the bench and give you 20 points. Like we didn't know that would be a possibility. Like the the Martin twins were you know a little bit better in this time than they had been prior to like when everybody was hurt when they were just playing like spot minutes and were like like just outwardly like pretty bad like both of them were not good for a good stretch of the season but they they stepped it up miles has been awesome like we know that he can function as like a main focal point of the offense on a team that is at least competitive so i mean those are all like good signs that we saw from that this or from this stretch that I mean isn't it's not even really over yet I, I was just looking up the injury report uh Devante is questionable they haven't updated it yet but uh Devante is questionable um ball or Lamelo's out Nate Darling's out Hayward's out and Monk is out so they still aren't like all the way back there yet but hopefully Oh, wait, okay, never mind. I was just refreshed and they updated it 52 seconds ago. Devontae, previously listed as questionable, is available to play tonight against the Knicks. So we're back to having just the original three that have been injured for like two weeks. So that's a good point or a good start. But if once they come back, I still don't know if they'll be able to get back into the top six and not be a play-in team just because, 
like Atlanta, Boston, New York, and Miami, like they have the four of them are fighting for three spots. And I just, I'm not, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm not, I don't know if the Hornets can jump any of them because right now they're two games out of six uh, behind New York. They're one game behind Miami in seventh. So uh, that's not like a lot, obviously, but we are almost getting to the point where like two or three games is like quite a bit to have to make up without like just the other, we're like, like relying on the other team to just lose games that they shouldn't be losing. So. It'll definitely be hard. I, it is possible, though, because, I mean, we've seen throughout the year that, like, no matter who's on the court, the Hornets are going to bust their balls and they're going to play super hard and they're going to win games that they probably shouldn't win. So, I mean, I might be sitting here in two weeks and they're, like, back in sixth place. So, who yeah. knows? I think it's possible. I mean, I like, and, and, and you touched on it a bit, Chase, but, like, to you, what have the injuries sort of told you about the depth? of this team because you know I think it says to me like when when after the Vernon Carey game and after like you look at the stretch that that um Terry Rozier has been on and um and Miles as well like to me man like this is a really really good sign for the future of the team I know that the team will not be able to keep all these guys um you know in the next five years but you know, if you're looking at the next five years, this this core is 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 can be a very special core, um, I, I believe. And you know, if we're just but using what we see this year, I mean, it's I, I think it's super encouraging. Yeah, it's it is wicked encouraging because, like, I hadn't really like I, I'm actually glad you asked that because I hadn't like I feel like I've had this thought before but hadn't formed it into words correctly. But now I get to actually say it, so. Like, what they've realized is that every, like, important or meaningful asset that they've invested is, like, good and worked out and is going to help them. Uh, Terry's really good. That was a, that contract is obviously, people hated on it, but now it's a bargain. Miles, PJ, Devante, Lamelo, Malik, Jalen McDaniels, maybe Vernon. Like, these are all draft picks that you've hit on. And the only ones that you missed on are, like, second-round picks. And you can't even really say that you missed on the Martin Twins or, uh, like, Nick Richards yet or anything, or Grant Riller. So it's basically just proving that all of the important, like, really meaningful decisions that Kupchak has made recently have turned out for the better. And, like, it doesn't... The Hornets obviously aren't that great right now because none of those players are individually very good or, like, going to compete in the NBA at a, on a consistent basis, but like they, they've shown that given the opportunity they can produce and when the team is fully healthy, like they're not going to be relied upon to do things that are like outside of their skill set. And now when that the team does get healthy in a few weeks, I think we'll see like, ho- hopefully anyway, I think we'll see miles like, yeah, maybe he'll get less shots, but he'll still be super efficient because he knows he can take these, off the dribble, step back threes and stuff like that. So it's really encouraging. Like it was, it was that Miles himself specifically, I think, has been like the brightest spot of this whole. Like, how long was it even? Like probably two weeks, I would say, two three weeks without yeah, two, like, once Hayward went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would that that's what that's what's been most uh, encouraging to me. What about you? Yeah, I I think to me, you know, like I said, especially after. And I, and I don't know if you remember, like, after the draft, I was pretty happy with 
with uh, getting Vernon Carey. And I think I asked you a couple of times, like, you know, is it possible that, um, you know, our, our solution at center is, you know, on the roster, you know, by way of Carey or Richards now? Like, I think that still remains to be seen. But at the same time, like, I felt like, you know, especially, after, you know, after everything, you know, I'm a UNT fan, so I was at watch, you know, Carey at Duke. I thought he was pretty good. And then, and then you know, kind of reading about how, you know, in the draft process, he slimmed down. You know, he showed a commitment to really, um, you know, making himself uh, kind of be more, be, uh, you know, more agile and just more more mobile, you know, as opposed to kind of what we saw at Duke. So I was really encouraged by that. And I was really encouraged by, you know, what I saw. He did. Uh, he did. What I saw him do in the G, G League bubble. And then now I'm like, well, you know, if you, you combine what he was able to do, you combine again um, what what we've seen from from Miles, and you know we've seen uh, PJ uh, do at times, and 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 uh, you know McDaniel's and Graham and, and everybody like, you know, we've we've seen some good flashes this year out of this team, and I, I think even if it's more coaching than talent and we, we can get into that later but I, I i think it's very encouraging uh you know so um i, I think i was i always kind of had hints of that <laughs> throughout the season but you know like i said I, after that first um game from carry i was like oh yeah this could be a really really uh you know really really good good squad to sort of to sort of build up on and um, you know, this is the type of depth that, you know, really, really good teams tend to have. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like I completely agree with that, like everything that you just said. Like and like and not only that, like if since like if you're gonna if you to go like super big picture with it, since like small market teams are not able to build like through just being like, hey, free agent uh, like Kawhi Leonard come to Charlotte, North Carolina to uh, spend the rest of your career here. Like they have so many theoretical like assets to attach in a trade or anything like that. Like just because all of these guys pretty much have shown that they can play at an NBA level. Like, and and I'm I'm glad you brought Vernon up too because like I I, I was like su- like if he can do what he did against Brooklyn, even like occasionally. And I know he was, like, kind of bad against Portland. I think he he had four fouls in seven minutes. and Foul and, trouble, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, like, he got two fouls, like, on the opening possession, uh, just, like, not really knowing how to navigate a screen or defend, like, such a, or a big, monstrous center like Yusuf Nurkic. But, like, that's okay. He's 19, like, and, and his defense is his problem. Like, obviously, offense isn't going to be the issue with him. You put up 21 points on 14 shots. He has, and they were pretty much all like jump shots or face ups and like floaters and stuff like that. Like they, the dude has insanely good touch. And I, I, I was thinking during the Portland game, like, how would you be happy if he ended up being like, maybe like a more athletic version of Ennis Cantor? Like maybe not quite as good of a rebounder, but like definitely more versatile on offense. Like could hit more jump shots and stuff. Because I think that actually is like a somewhat realistic comparison because. Both of them are like really bad at defense, and it's fine. If, it's it's fine if Vernon is bad at defense. Like I'm not saying that that's like some 
you know, criminal offense that makes him like an unplayable center or something. Like in the playoffs, the guys like that are useful. Like if if the the other the opposing team has a center that's not like a lockdown defender, Vernon can just go out there and give him buckets. Like that, you you need to score points and to win playoff games, and he can do that. Like that that's that's a valuable skill that'll keep him in the NBA. And when I, when he was first coming out, like I kind of thought he would be so bad at defense and that his touch wouldn't quite translate against bigger players. But I mean, it seems to have done so. Like he did well in the G League bubble. He obviously did really well in his first start. And I hope that JB gives him like another game or two to like keep going after even after he played really poorly against Portland. Because I mean, yeah. do you think do you think he'll like start tonight? I don't know if that's out tonight. But yeah, I, that's, I, it's out. I was just gonna say it is. It is out. Um, for people that will listen to this later, this, we're recording this on Tuesday, April 20th, um, right about 30 minutes before tip off for Hornets, um, and Knicks in Charlotte. And, um, oh, sorry, no, Hornets in New York. Um, um, and yeah, yeah, Vernon Carey is in the starting lineup. Okay. So it's, All right. There we go. Yeah. That, no, that's actually really, see, that's awesome because that shows how good of like a coach that JB is. Like, he's letting him play through it. Like, he, he, if you're, like, to just be objective, like, he, he legitimately was bad. Like, he stunk against Portland. He got two terrible fouls on the first possession that were just the most obvious, like, rookie mistakes. But JB's letting him stay out there. He's letting him, yeah. he's, like, giving him the confidence to be like, Vernon, like, you can mess up. Like, I just want you to go out there and play. Like, I'm not going to punish you if you, you know, do something wrong like just go right. out there and be yourself like see that that, that can coaches really need that and that's all, really really important for a young developing team and that's why the part of the reason why the hornets are so good so quickly so yeah so let's talk about that you know on your point about gb because i feel like i am screaming into the void um and in my case is is very dependent on kind of like what happens right like i believe that if the Hornets finish the season, um, I, I I think it's got I, I think it's got to be like top five or six. Like I I'd say five would be like amazing, or like five or higher would be amazing. I think six I would still lean this way, but I feel like J- James Borrego has a very strong Coach of the Year case. I understand that you've got your Tibbs and your Quinn Snyder and your Armani Williams, right? But, you know, I, I hear people arguing, for example, for Tibbs and Armani Williams. And, you know, I, I, I think, let's just say Tibbs, for example, like, I, I think the arguments that people are making for Tibbs are the exact same arguments you know, you make for James Borrego. No one expected the Knicks to be this good, and the Knicks are great. And so Tibbs should be coach of the year. And I'm like, who expected the Hornets to be good? <laughs> like, and at times in the season, the Hornets have been, you know, at least by record, have been better than the Knicks. And my my case is not even, you know, based on that. It's based on the fact that the Hornets have continued to stay 500 as. And basically, their entire starting lineup at one point or another um, has been out for extended periods of time. Like, you know, two or three guys who are starters, um, or and 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 for a couple times the entire um, you know starting lineup not playing, and and you're still 
finding ways to win games or or to stay at least you know neutral. So um, and and right now you know they're in the eighth seed. So I think the, the team would have to be in a better seeding for him to win. But I mean, if this team, I know the East is 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 not good, but if this team is a a top five seed after first of all not being expected to be this good, but also the injuries that they sustained to their key players, I, I don't know how you don't at least consider him or, or or have him you know on the ballot or whatever. Like you know whether he wins or not, that's a different argument. But I think he's got a strong case. I think he has a strong case too. Um, like, I think I would put probably like if I were to just put like I think final they do three finalists. So if I were to just list finalists, I would probably have Monty Williams, Borrego, and like Quinn Snyder. But I think the thing with Borrego is him and Tibbs will probably like cancel each other out. Like whoever finishes higher in the standings, like that guy will probably be the one that gets more credit at the end of the season for. Whole bringing or elevating the quality of his team and all that and making them better than they should because I don't know if like you like you said they both have the same argument kind of like this team was somewhat young they're way better than we thought uh, like they're going to make the playoffs for the further relevant again for the first time in a while but I mean he definitely has a really strong case like a, a, especially I don't know. I like. I have no idea if voters look at this through like a long-term lens and be like, the James Borrego has turned the Hornets into a place where players can go and like get better and develop their skill, even if they're not going to play for the Hornets for you know for, for a long-term period. Like they can you know get better and continue to be NBA players after that. Uh, like I genuinely have no clue if that's something that they consider. I I would think it should be. Like if I was allowed to vote, then it probably would be for me. But I mean that might be biased as me being like a Hornets fan. But yeah, I mean he definitely has a super strong case. I would not be surprised at all if he's a finalist at the end of the year. I don't think he'll win just because the Hornets won't be like quite good enough. And I think Monty Williams with the Suns just because they're not no they're not the best. They do not have the best record in the league anymore. I'm glad I caught myself. There's the second best record in the league. I think they'll probably get it just off the strength of that and because the Suns are just a... Uh, also, they're also like a relevant team for the first time in a super long time and they're significantly more relevant than the Hornets or Knicks are and not the Jazz, but the Jazz were also good last year and all that. So I, 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 th- I think he'll end the season as like a top four or five candidate or five yeah. for a candidate to be a final. You know, at, at this point, I'd be happy to see him on some ballots. Like I said, if he, if the Hornets are able to jump top five, I, I, I would hope, you know, there'd be strong consideration for him. If you're just, again, looking at the season, but like, I mean, the thing, like, you know, it's, there's just so many ways you can go with this, like with, with Monty Williams, right? Like, is it how much, I mean, I know he had the, that great eight, no finish in the bubble last year, but, you know, how much of it is also Chris Paul, right? Chris Paul kind of being there and sure. and being a coach on the floor. Like, um, and, and it, again, there's the, there's the, you know, Quinn Snyder as well, kind of, kind of, um, you know, the Jazz have been good for a while, but, you know, he has kind of overachieved a little bit, it seems like. So, um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just think that, like, I'm glad to, you know, as a Hornets fan, I'm glad that, that James Borrego is the coach because, you know, Team, I, I I give a lot of credence to coaches who are able to 
make um, the most work out of um, in bad circumstances, which, you know, exists for the Hornets right now. But also it seems like um, they the Hornets know what they're doing in terms of development now, which is which is great. So I'm happy with it. I just feel like there's probably a little bit more coach of the year credit that should be thrown that way. You know, mainly just because of the overachieving expectations, but also, you know, because of, of being able to stay afloat as this team has been has been banged up. But, um, but yeah, Chase, we'll leave it there. We know we got the the Hornets Knicks starting starting shortly here, so I don't want to keep you too long. But um, it's been it's been fun to to talk with some good news. Um, hopefully, yeah, right, for the first time in weeks. Yeah, yeah, I, and I'll say this, you know. I, I think the next time we speak, um, I think it should definitely, um, definitely be getting. We should know more um, in terms of who all will be available to the team in terms of the playoffs, uh, like Hayward, Malik Monk, um, and, and those guys, and then also maybe a little bit better where we are in terms of playoffs and, and getting ready for that. So um, I'm looking forward to the to the next time and. And uh, Chase, as always, thanks for joining me. Yes, man. Thank you for having me on. It was it was always a great experience to get on here and talk Hornets with you. It's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, Chase, appreciate it again. Thanks, everyone, for, for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the Hornets Parker's Report. Thanks, guys. See ya. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode of The Barbershop. Keep showing us love. We appreciate it. Go ahead and rate and review this podcast and also share on social media and tell your friends about us. And if you're feeling generous, there's a link in the description to become a monthly subscriber. You can do it for as little as 99 cents and you can support this podcast and help us to grow and to glow. We appreciate all the love. We'll see you next time here at The Barbershop. Stay tuned.